This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods, Bet Online, and Deal Dash. And welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from the past week of recruiting and college football. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects 101 Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined by Brandon Glessner. Hey, what's up, Kenny? Glad what's to be up, here. Man? Hey, and for anybody. And for all our listeners out there, if you hear anything, it's storming pretty bad around here. So that might be some thunder you hear. Yeah, same here. It's it's coming down here, Richmond. I, I was out. I had to get a haircut, and I'm going to the beach next week. So I had to run out and do some errands. And, uh, yeah, it was like driving through a hurricane. I mean, it is – it was like – I mean, it's it's booming outside. Yeah. That's what I do now. Yeah, we've lost power a couple times. The AC's not working. It's been a crazy night so far. Ugh. Well – it's about but, the most 2020 night you can think of. I know, right? But speaking of crazy weeks, been a crazy week for college football before we really dive into the show today. ACC schedules have dropped. SEC is, is still trying to figure out their schedule with a new algorithm. Um, the Big Ten released their schedules. You've got out-of-conference games being scheduled. I know the, I know the Sun Belt. And, and how about this, Gless? The AAC is planning to start as business as usual. I think wow. they're doing eight conference games and four out-of-conference games at the time of this recording. Wow. I don't know if that's so, going to hold up, but that's what they're are, – Are they just planning on scheduling a bunch of G5 guys? I guess, yeah. Well, I think they – I guess they're going to try and do some out-of-conference stuff is my opinion. I don't know, but uh, – I know they're they're planning on on doing a full slate of games. Wow! Like their wow. business as usual, unless something comes up. Because I know they've already started fall camp now. They've already they've begun. SMU's in camp. Uh, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I watched it all over Twitter today. All the AAC schools are in pads now. Wow! Good for them. Well, I'm glad to get some normalcy. Just get through fall camp and make sure we're safe through fall camp and and no teams get 
you know, get widespread and you got to quarantine them. I think that's kind of the worst case scenario. So hoping that it's a, it's a clean camp, um, you know, may, uh, probably bound to get a couple guys here or there, but um, you know, really want to see college football in the fall and yeah. I have serious doubts. So I'd like to like Same. to get some positive news here in the next couple of weeks. I, I think a big positive was MLB. Now, obviously they have a little bit more at their disposal in terms of, technology and money set aside for COVID testing. But I think the, the positive is MLB announced they had no positive tests on their most recent test. So if, you know, it shows that the players, if they take it seriously, you know, they can kind of create their own, I guess, quote unquote bubble just by being responsible. So, you know, college football, if, if they're serious about playing, then they need to harp that in on the kids. Like, hey, you can't go to off-campus parties like at Louisville. Like their whole field hockey and I think it was like field hockey volleyball team and I forget what other sport it was, uh, all went to an off-campus party and they ended up with like 30, 30 guys and girls had come down with COVID. Got it. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be the whole test, right? The test is if you can keep um, keep keep like 18 say, 19 the, year olds yeah if you keep 18 19 year olds and uh not be so uh hormonal I guess I'm going to say here politely <laughs> in my podcast uh-huh. and uh you're not not out there you know hustling and hollering at hollering at girls and 2 30 in the I morning mean, yeah 2 30 you know doing what college you know 18 19 year old kids do so I don't I mean, hopefully, I mean, we'll see. The the other thing about it is there's not going to be a lot of people on campus for them to, to yeah. interact with probably besides other athletes, and well, there certainly yeah. won't be other people at games. I know Syracuse suspended like five or six kids off the team for an indefinite amount of time for breaking COVID policy that the, yeah. that the coaches – so. I, you know, if that's what if that's what you got to do to keep the season going and, and to make sure everybody's following the rules and staying healthy, I'm I'm for it. Throw the hammer down, coaches. Make them make them accountable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do do what you can. Um, because yeah. really, college only has one shot at this, man. Yeah, they that's don't it. they don't I mean, they don't get the they don't get the buffer MLB got. You know, MLB obviously had their outbreak, but it's a little bit different optics when it's professional sports and they're getting paid millions when it's college and. And the kids aren't, you know, the amateur athletes, you know, at one outbreak, one big, you know, PR disaster, and it's done. And it's, it's over. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, speaking of issues and, and challenges with COVID, they, you know, one of the bigger challenges from an internal standpoint are players who have been opting out. And, you know, the last couple of days, and really the last week, I know we mentioned Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech last week on, on Recruiting Roundup. He was the first one to really opt out. Some big names have opted out and, and really today in the last couple of days. And we'll go through that list real quick. And then, Gless, why don't you, why don't you give a, kind of an update on, on how this really affects the teams that, that are being opted out and these players. So first player we have is Gregory Rousseau, defensive end out of the U, and, and really a top – 10 prospect in the NFL draft. He was considered probably the best defensive lineman in the ACC, if not the entire country at this point. And, and honestly, Brandon Pastel's boy, you know, he loves him some Gregory Rousseau. He does. Um, but what does that do for Miami, Gless? What, what kind of impact does that create for them? Well, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a huge impact, right? I mean, you know, the, the U needs to get, get back to being the U. And a big part of their team this year was going to be the strength of the defense, specifically the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got another really great defensive end on the other side who, you know, is going to have to pick up a lot of slack. And But if he ends up 
doing the same thing that Gregory Rousseau is doing and opts out because of draft, then Miami, I think, is going to be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, we're talking about a team that was marginally okay last year, and now they're losing their best player mm-hmm. due to COVID and being able to opt out of here. So I think it's a big deal for Miami. I, you know, they don't have national type, you know, title aspirations. Um, I think that the best they could have done is maybe challenged for – you know, maybe their their division title in the ACC, but that a lot of things would have had to gone right, especially on the offensive side of the ball for that to happen. But I mean, he's their best player. There's no doubt about it at this point. And so for him to to opt out and do what he thinks is best for him and his future, you know, I I don't I don't hate the move. I think it sucks from a college football fan's perspective, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it hurts the U, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Selfishly as a fan, yeah, it's a bummer to see that, but you know, I don't, I don't, I understand it. I, I don't have a problem with it. I get it, especially when you know you play a position like the defensive line, where you know you get beat up, you get nicked up pretty frequently, and you know if if I'm a, if I'm a potential top ten pick, top fifteen pick, as a, especially in the trenches, and I think that you know college football is one slip away from being taken away and, and canceled you know, is playing two to three weeks really worth it to potentially get a cut block or something right into the knee and tear my knee up? Probably not. You know, you know, if I'm a fourth or fifth round pick, you've got nothing to lose. But if I've got a, if I'm a first high, a mid to high first round grade as an interior lineman, that's a, that's tough to really go on the limb for, for two or three weeks of, of, of a season that might not even count. So. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, I mean, I get it too. I think, you know, he, you know, I don't know the kids' makeup, but what would be unfortunate is if the season actually did get played all the way through. And I, I think yeah. there's one thing besides one player on this list. You know, I, I, everybody who's opted out, I mean, none of these teams had national title aspirations. And shoot, anybody on any of these teams probably not even going to win their own division. Yeah. Um, aside from one name we'll talk about here in a little bit, which I was a little bit stunned that yeah. he did it because they, they could go to the national championship. Um, I agree. As far as uh, conversation is concerned, but look, the U's not winning the national title. I mean, they barely lucked into a bowl game and they got demolished <laughs> they got by Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. Tech. <laughs> uh, so you know, he's doing what's best for him. So I can't, I can't hate against it. Yeah. So two other names uh, in the Big Ten that really caught my eye from the receiver standpoint. One really bummed me out because he's like my favorite player in college football. That's Rondell Moore from Purdue. And then Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, also opted out. And arguably behind Jamar Chase, who's the receiver at LSU, these are your number two and number three prospects in a very, very deep receiver class. So two two big names coming off the board in the Big Ten. Uh, For Rondell Moore coming off – that that really hurts Purdue. I mean, you're talking about a program that, you know, has some nice pieces there, but they're not an elite program by any stretch of the means. This is a program that if they go, you know, eight and four, nine and three is a very, very successful season for them. So to lose a consensus All-American like Rondell Moore and, and essentially a, a guy who might be the most explosive dynamic playmaker in an in, in entire college football and offense, uh, this is going to lead a huge hole. I mean, we saw what happened last year after he was he was nicked up last year and got hurt, and they just were never really able to get going. Yeah, you know, they have a decent wide receiver and David Ball on the other side of the field, and I was really excited to see those two kind of complement each other, but 
losing Rondell Moore is a big, big loss. And then losing Rashad Bateman for, for Minnesota is an extremely big loss as well. Um, you know, it's blunted a little bit by the fact that Tanner Morgan's still coming back. And I think, you know, you put anybody out there, I think Tanner Morgan's going to throw him open. I think he's a good enough quarterback to where he can make other wide receivers look better. But still, big loss. You know, he was their leading receiver coming back. He's one of the top receivers in the country. He now you have a very very experienced, in, or sorry, very very inexperienced wide receiving core coming back for Minnesota. I think their their leading receiver coming back only had like twenty some catches last year. wasn't a lot, you know. They, they, so now not only do you lose Tyler Johnson, who was a very integral part at receiver uh, for that offense, and then you lose Rashad Bateman as well. You just lost two receivers who had over a thousand yards receiving and multiple touch and, and, you know, close to 10 touchdowns. So big, big loss for Minnesota, I'm, especially with a new offensive coordinator coming in. It, it might take a little bit for that offense to get going in 2020. Yeah. The uh, the Rashad Bateman one, I get that one um, because I, I, it, here's the difference between Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore is Rashad Bateman has all of last year's film mm-hmm. on on film for scouts. Right, Ronda Moore. I mean, what? What? How many games did he play last year? Like two. I think he played four, but he was hurt for pretty much. I mean, he had pretty much gotten hurt. I think. Right. I mean, his film isn't that good, and we're talking about this. You're gonna forego a second season of getting your film on there for scouts to take a look at. I think that was way more risky for Rondell Moore to do than Rashad Bateman because, again, like I said, Bateman has. Um, last year's film, which was outstanding. And Rondell Moore's freshman film was really good too. But, again, he had four games last year, most of which he was hurt. That film's yep. not very good. I no. I don't think this helps his stock at all. Um, and if it, anything, it may hurt it just because he's not going to be able to get a new season of film on there for scouts to look at. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a roll of the dice for Moore versus Bateman for sure. I You know, I, I was – I was really high on Moore this season. I thought if healthy, he he could jump up to being, you know, I don't think he would have challenged Jamar uh, Chase for the number one wide receiver position in our rankings, but I think he would have been right up there with him. I think he he could have, he could have potentially played himself into, I think an upper top 15 pick, you know, right at 10, 11, 12 range. But now he's going to have to have a really good combine or a really good pro day. He's going to really need to show out like, He's, yeah. He claims he can run. You know, the the claim is that he can run a sub four four and and really low four threes. Well, he's going to need to do that now because he, really he's only going to have film from 2018. So yeah. that's a big loss. And Gless, I know, I think this is who you were referring to earlier. Probably the biggest name of the bunch to opt out so far, and that's Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Now, I, I, to me, I think this is a gigantic loss. I think he's probably the best defensive player in the entire country. And I think the only person you could make an argument against him would probably be Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. Other than that, I mean, he's the creme de la creme defensively for a team that really is great quarterback play away, in my opinion, from being a national title contender. Like, I don't think it's any stretch that if they have great quarterback play with the defense they bring back, and the, and the running game they have on offense and the playmakers they typically have on offense, that it was a stretch that Penn State could compete for a national championship or at least a playoff spot, and this is a big, big blow for them. Yeah, that, there's no doubt about it. This is exactly who I was referring to. I think it's 
I think it's a huge loss for Penn State and James Franklin because they do have, you know, big, you know, they do have aspirations to win the Big Ten and, and possibly get a berth in, in the uh, college football playoff and having not only the best defensive player on your team, but maybe the best defensive player in the country opting yep. out really hurts their chances a lot. And I, as a, you know, as a college football fan, just like Rondale Moore, I really wanted to watch uh, Mike, Micah Parsons just play, oh. just go out there and play. But, you know, I, you know, what can you say? I mean, I, obviously these kids are opting around because they don't feel safe enough to go out there and play. Yeah. Uh, but man, that's a huge loss. I, you know, I I, I would have liked to seen Micah Parsons be up there when they were playing Ohio State and when mm-hmm. they're playing kind of the big teams in their Big yep. Ten and really see him take over games. And we're not going to get to see that. Um, but, you know, no doubt about it, he'll be a top top 10, top 15 pick in, in April's draft. Especially with the way he ended the season last year in the bowl game, you know, against Memphis. He absolutely – just gave you basically a preview of what to expect his his this season. Like I mean, I think he had, I mean he had something ridiculous like fourteen ta- fourteen tackles, like three and a half tackles for loss. He had a pick. I think he had a couple other picks like go through his hand or that he almost picked off. I mean, he just was a man possessed in the bowl game. Bowl game MVP, and and it was just a bummer because I was so looking forward to see him just absolutely light up the Big Ten this year and really give Michigan and I don't even think Michigan because I honestly I think Penn State is a better team than Michigan right now to really give Ohio State a run for their money um, I honestly I think they're the I think they're the only team in the Big Ten who can run with Ohio State barring like a freak upset I get that that's college football and things happen you know there's there's upsets but from a week-to-week consistent basis to me Penn State was really the only program in the Big Ten that could hang with Ohio State, and I think losing Micah Parsons, I don't think it necessarily eliminates them from hanging with Ohio State. But man, that's just you just don't you just don't yeah. you just don't replace Micah Parsons and go. Oh, okay, we're we're going to be okay. Like that's a big big loss. It's so, a hu- yeah, it's a huge loss. No and, no uh, no bones about it. And to continue the theme of Big Ten, I mean, really, you know, you've had we've had more people opt out, but. The bigger names, Farley, Rousseau, Moore, Bateman, Parsons, and now Jacob Panasuk, uh, defensive end from um, Michigan State. The Big Ten has four of those names, four of the big six so far that have dropped out and or have opted out of the season. And, and you know, he, he didn't necessarily light the world on fire. Eight and a half tackles for losses, three and a half sacks last year, two forced fumbles. But he was a guy who was progressively getting better as the season went on, and you could see the light kind of switch. And he really – I saw him firsthand decimate Wake Forest's offensive line last year in the bowl game, and this was a very, very deep and strong Wake Forest offensive lineman. You're talking about three guys who are playing in the pros right now from that team last year, and he absolutely was just manhandling people left and right in the bowl game. So it was a it was definitely a light that clicked and let's face it Michigan State was a borderline bowl team last year they have a new head coach in Mel Tucker who's a defensive wizard he's a very hard nosed hard knock kind of guy this he, he Jacob fit perfectly in his system so this is a big loss it might not he might not be a household name or even necessarily a top flight first round draft pick uh, prospect draft prospect 
But this guy was going to be an integral part to bringing Michigan State back to Big Ten prominence, and losing him is just another hurdle Michigan State is going to have to jump over this year after having to replace uh, their quarterback, after having to replace Mike D'Antonio, who had been there forever. So another spot in the another tumultuous piece of the offseason that they've had so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just think that this is going to be – uh, the beginning, and I, I think one thing you see here, and, and, you know, we mentioned the trend a little bit earlier, but, you know, these teams, aside from Penn State, really don't have, mm-hmm. you know, it's a constant theme here. Like, they don't have title contention hopes, really, or, or yeah. you know, chances to win their division aside from, you know, Penn State. So, Kenny, I don't know if there's anybody else that comes to your mind that you think would potentially be next you know, of the guys that we've covered on this podcast. I mean, I can yeah. think a few just kind of off the top of my head. But it'll be interesting to see how kind of these dominoes fall. I, You know, if I had a prediction, kind of my gut feels that anybody from a big school, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, LSU, um, Oregon, I don't see those any of those guys jumping. And I don't see them doing this, doing that, because they have, you know, that they have the chance to win it all. Um, I see more guys from Miami going like this. Like I wouldn't surprise to see the other defensive end do the same thing. Kind of some um, fringe I, bowl teams, yeah. Yeah, I'd say fringe bowl teams, teams that really probably will only win seven or eight games. Uh, I could see a lot of opt-outs coming in for yeah. uh, players that kind of fall in that category. The two that – the initial shock to me, which was, was Farley last week and then Bateman early – this week and my initial shock was oh this is going to start a run on guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Penny Sewell you know guys who are who are top five top ten locks essentially but then Pastel who's not with us tonight because he has moved and doesn't know how to set up his cable (laughs) (laughs) in a timely manner Uh, I think he's been down I think he's been without it now for like two weeks what a what a donk Um, but he brought up a good point in a te- in our tech our group text. He said, you know, Trevor Lawrence could probably break his arm and get COVID twice and still go number one. So, you know, that's a very good point. With you, yeah, Fields and Lawrence and Sewell are definitely risking a lot because they're mortal top three. I mean, those are, should be your top three draft picks in next draft, like barring anything crazy happening. But at the same time. All three teams have national title aspirations. They're favored to win their conference. And and and, and, they're, and honestly, even a even – a, and you, you hope you never see this, but even something catastrophic like a broken arm or a shattered leg or something like that probably isn't even enough to knock them out of the top three unless it was something career-altering like they, they might not ever play again. But something short of that, like even a season-ending end, like – injury like you know we saw Sam Bradford his senior year remember he blew his shoulder out he tore up his AC joint everything like that and he still went number one so Pastel brought up a very good point there the all three of those guys play on national title contender teams and they're all considered generational talents so you know they I at first I thought that we were going to see them opt out, but Trevor Lawrence then today on his Instagram page posts a picture of him in his uniform, basically saying game time. Justin Fields comes out in the press uh, earlier today and says he can't wait to play Michigan. He's going to beat the brakes off of him. So 
it sounds like they're all systems go. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think that's all a great point. I mean, that, you know, those guys that play for those teams that we would think could potentially do it, those guys are generational talents, right? They're not going anywhere. So yeah. I think it's a good point that Brandon makes, and I agree. Uh, and it just kind of leads credence back to our our theory on, on fringe bowl teams that have yeah. potential first, second-round draft picks. Now, I don't see guys opting out that are like fourth and fifth rounders. I, no. I don't see that. I think guys like that need to stay because they need the extra film. Right, they need the film for the scouts. I think it's, I don't think it's going to be very many of these guys, Kenny. I, I, I initially thought so when Farley opted out. Yeah. But man, I, I, I just don't see a lot of incentive unless you're a, a for sure first or second round draft pick and your team's not very good. Yeah, and and you know you you break up a good point there with talking about film. So Tylen Wallace who is considered at the end of last or going in, going about halfway through last season, he was considered a very high wide receiver prospect for last year's draft. And then he blew his knee out. And so obviously he's like, Hey, I'm coming back for my senior season. He's a wide receiver at Oklahoma state. And he, he came out, I think it was either yesterday or today and was like, I'm playing this season. And he, he has to, he has to, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, if he didn't play, I'm sure maybe a team would take a flyer on him in the second round potentially. If not, he would most likely get drafted in the third round just based off of his college credentials and his, his college film. But he would still be a relatively unknown because of nobody had, would have seen him play since he blew out his knee. But now he's like, hey, I got to play. I'm coming back. I want to I wanna rehab my draft stock. And then Jamar Chase at LSU came out and said he's playing. So I, I think you're right. I, I thought I panicked at first thinking it was going to be a run on the on the prospects. But then the more and more I look at it, I don't think we're going to see guys from Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Oregon, schools like that bail out because they all have national title aspirations. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every time an item starts at $0 and you only go up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or that item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra $100 in free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code PROSPECTS101 or DealDash.fm backslash PROSPECTS101. That's DealDash, D-E-A-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash PROSPECTS101. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a new series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. 
Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. It's going to be interesting. Speaking of that, by the way, and how I came about with those schools, before we jump into some recruiting news, did you see that preseason coaches poll was released today, Gless? Uh, I did, and I have not had a chance to take a take a look when I came out in the coaches poll. What I, I for one, Clemson's number one, which I think is kind of a stunner. I, I thought Ohio State would for sure be number one, uh, but they're number two. Bama's third, Georgia's fourth, LSU's fifth. That's your top five. LSU surprises me with as much as they've lost. I was really, really surprised they cracked the top five. I thought a fair rating for them would have been 9-10 range. Yeah, I think there's probably – but it is the coaches' poll, so I think there's a lot of respect there mm-hmm. in the coaches' poll generally. I mean, that those guys really respect each other and what their programs are made out of. So I think it's almost like a de facto, like, all right, well, we got to put him in the top five somewhere. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you're not going to put the defending national champions at, like, 15. I I do want your – I do want your instant reaction, Gless, to Iowa being ranked 23rd, North Carolina being ranked 19th, Oklahoma State being ranked 16th, Virginia Tech being ranked 24th, Iowa State being ranked 25th, and UW is sitting there, others receiving votes. I know. I, you know what? I saw that before going, one, that's a garbage list. The fact that Iowa State is ahead of Washington is a joke. That's a joke. Iowa, Iowa State sh- shouldn't smell. You know what? I, let's play. I, I want them to play. I want, I want a Big 12, Pac-12, pack, pack Iowa State. You know what? And we'll go to Iowa State, and we'll still beat them by 30. So, going to, UW going to Ames, I like it. Yeah, you know what? That's 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 disrespectful. Yeah, Tech at twenty four, I think is okay. You at what? Would you have UNC at nineteen? Yeah, I, I, I mean, Oklahoma State at sixteen. Oklahoma State at that 16. seems really high. Oklahoma, those were the ones that really stood out. Well, in Texas, of course, with their annual uh, Texas is back is ranked fourteen. Oh, shocker. so in Texas A and M's thirteen. How is Oklahoma State sixteen? I know, man. I I, 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 la- I just generally don't respect that program when it comes to performing well. I just don't think they perform consistently enough for me to where they deserve that kind of respect. But <laughs> they do have the best run- – arguably the best running back in the country. So, And, and look, I, I can see why. Look, UW lost. They're putting in a new quarterback, new head coach, new system. You know, there's a lot going on there. And I hope the Huskies do well this year. But with the shortened season, I, I don't know. I mean, they have the talent too, but I think mm-hmm. there's just too many moving parts to where I think that they'll that they'll come out and you know lose two games and win the Pac-12. I don't see that, but the, I do think by, they'll be competitive. By the way, you know who you know who else got votes? I'm looking at the others receiving votes right now. So Tennessee just missed the cut. Boise and Tennessee were basically tied for 26. Arizona State is 27. Kentucky's 28th, Memphis 29th, Baylor 30th, and then Washington rounding out in their 31st. Ahead wow, of, I feel so in. disrespected that they put them at 31. <laughs> 31st. Uh, but hey, at least they weren't. At least they're ahead of Miami. I figured I was like I was so hoping for the show that Miami was going to get more votes than you do and just watch it, just let you go. Ridiculous. But Actually, the coaches weren't watching film. I, I will say this: I was really, really surprised to see 
Washington State got six votes. I know it's not a ton, but they got six votes. Nebraska got three, and Duke got one. I don't know who voted for them to be top 25, but that blows my mind. Yeah, that that's odd. Yeah, the Nebraska one is is odd because I I still don't think that they're going to be very good this year. No. Yeah. And for Washington State to get more votes over the likes of like Southern Methodist, SMU, or um, you know Pitt, it, it kind of blows my mind. There, I was, I was really surprised to see Washington Wazoo get as much love as they are, just because they've lost so much. Yeah. Um, but they do have Max Borgie coming back, who is a beast. Um, but yeah, so that was just I just wanted your initial reaction. We'll go over that I'm sure on a on a show here in the next you know couple days, but. I wanted to just get your initial reaction to all those schools being ranked ahead of Washington. I saw that, and I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. Unbelievable. <laughs> no respect. No respect. A pretty quiet week in terms of recruiting this week. You know, last week we had some – Clemson and Bama had made some noise, and then the week before that we had other schools left and right making noise. But really a pretty slow week in terms of everything. You know, not a lot of big commits, a lot of guys who were, according to 24-7 sports, not ranked. They didn't have any stars or at most was a bunch of, you know, a couple three stars recruited here or there. But the biggest name by far was Leonard Taylor, defensive tackle, commits to Miami, a big five-star guy, you know, another feather in the cap for for Manny Diaz. This is the second five-star recruit they've gotten in, in I think, about – uh, three weeks now. So, Gless, what does that mean for Miami to keep bringing these guys in? Yeah, well, you know, a hometown guy stays at home, so really not a not a big shocker there. Interesting thing about Miami is they join Alabama and Ohio State as the only schools with multiple five-star recruits already committed. So, um, you can see Manny Diaz, you know, doing some work down here. No, look, I, I said this in other podcasts, and I think it's well documented how I mm-hmm. feel about this. Uh, I don't think Miami's ever struggled that much recruiting. They've right. always been able to bring in guys. They, they, you know what? They've always been able to keep Southern Florida talent in in Miami. I mean, they they own their backyard. They're able, always able to bring these guys in. And they're still, in my opinion, a very mediocre program. They had a nice season three years ago when they won 10 wins. But aside, but aside from that, they've been extremely mediocre the last 15 years. So I think it just comes down, one, can you get some consistency on the coaching staff to develop these kids? And two, can you get mm-hmm. coaches to develop these kids? The co- you know, I think that's what it comes down to. Can I get good talent in here, and then can I develop the talent? So I think that's really going to be the, the question for Manny Diaz and if he's able to do that and if he has the coaching staff to do that um, because he's, they've got talent coming in there. And, again, recruiting has never been Miami's issue. It's getting them to play on the field as far as perform, performance is, per, uh, is concerned. That's their biggest problem. So, you know, hey, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they keep a, a, a five-star guy out of Miami home to play for the U, but can he get on the field and can he make a difference? There's a lot of big time recruits that have gone to Miami in the last 15 years that haven't been able to do that. Yeah. I love, uh, I love CJ Henderson throwing some slight shade. Like you have to really connect the tweets to see it, but I, I was just kind of on Twitter earlier. And of course I follow CJ Henderson with him being a Jag now. And, and he was responding to one of um, Taylor's teammates 
who was like, my boy's a cane and all this stuff. And go up there, and then he just responded back. He goes, we, I guess I'm assuming CJ Henderson probably knows the, knows the guy or probably, you know, they're probably from the same area. CJ Henderson goes, we play big ball in the, in the SEC. Just saying, just saying. So basically, throw the shade. I love it. The, the Florida, I, I do love that about Florida, man, is, is all those, all those kids, as big as Florida is, they all know each other. It's wild. Yeah. Like they, like, I don't know if that's like just a Florida thing. Cause I don't see that out of like Texas or PA or California. You don't see that very often come from, but Florida Twitter, Florida high school Twitter uh, is crazy. All those guys just chirp each other all the time. And I love that about, I love following Florida recruiting because when they stay in state and they, and they commit to either Florida state university of Florida or Miami, it gets real on Twitter. Like there's some butt hurtness going on, and it just I gets, love it. I do I too. It. It's petty, but I love it. I, I love it so much, and it, it keeps me interested in those programs. I think what's interesting too is Miami's also in the running for um uh for Leonard Taylor's teammate John uh John or uh, sorry Jason Marshall. Uh, he's oh, a, so that's uh, okay. So that's who it was. That's who tweeted that. And then that's – so Jason Marshall's the one who tweeted that. C.J. Henderson responded to him. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So Jason Marshall's the five-star corner out of Miami uh, Palmetto, which is the same school that that, um, makes that Leonard Taylor goes to, right? And, you know, he's being recruited by Alabama, Florida, Miami, Clemson, and Florida State as well. So it'll be interesting to see if Leonard Taylor can grab his buddy J- Jason Marshall and get him to the U because that'd be – They'd have three five-star recruits, and I got to think at that point Miami's close to a top-five class. I love it. Well, I, 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 if C.J. Henderson has anything has has anything to say about it, that kid he wants that kid to go to Florida. Because uh, <laughs> he he tweeted Jason Marshall Jr. said, "I think it's time to shake the room," and then uh, um, and then C.J. Henderson basically retweeted him with a quote, basically saying, "We play real football in the SEC." Just saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it, man. I love the pettiness of Florida recruiting. It, it gets me excited. So, I mean, really, that was that was pretty much the big the big time commitments this week. I mean, we had some other decent commits. You know, uh, Navy got a couple guys. They got he got they got a defensive end out of uh, Lanham, Maryland, and a cornerback out of Connecticut. Uh, Vandy got a nice sized defensive end, six four two forty kid out of Akron, Ohio, Copley High School, which has been known to bring out some big prospects. And then Gless, uh, ODU got a three-star corner out of Upper Marlboro at Charles Herbert. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, which is a decent program. So some some decent recruits, some some good recruiting news, but not like I said, not a ton of breaking news. I thought I, you know, the only other one that really caught my eye was um, South Carolina. Will Muschamp got a nice three-star running back, Ontario Brown, out of Beach High School, right there in Savannah. Which have you have you seen? Did you when we were down there? Do you remember seeing that high school? I don't. I don't remember seeing Beach High School. Yeah, they had a really cool field, man. I like their setup. They had a really nice setup down there. So that was really about the only other thing that caught my eye, though, in terms of commitments. Just not a ton of, of breaking news this week, which makes sense. You know, fall camps are starting to open up. There's starting to be a bunch of stuff going on, and there's a lot of, uh, which I think we'll cover probably more next week on Recruiting Roundup, but a lot of kids who are now moving out of state to go play ball at states that that play high school. So it's a uh, it's a whole big thing, but Gus, why don't you break down as we start to wrap up here the G five top five and the top ten overall? 
Yeah, with the uh, the G5 top five doesn't change from last week. So we got Memphis coming in at number one, FAU number two, Cincinnati number three, App State number four, and SMU at number five. What's interesting about all this nationally, it's ranks 39 through 55. So they are a little bit competitive with the Power Five programs, but no movement there in the G uh, the uh, the G5 top five. And then the top ten got a little bit of movement here. Um, the mm-hmm. top the top dogs don't change. Got Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, Tennessee round out your top five. And then you've got LSU at six, USC at seven. See Miami move up to number eight, Michigan at nine, and UNC at number ten. Yeah, I mean pretty pretty standard. I think it's pretty much been the same top ten for the last couple of weeks, other than just their position changes. That's really been about it. Um, you know, I UNC keeps slipping a little bit, but at the same time, they they technically lost a 2021 recruit who reclassified to the 2020 class. So, yeah, you you kind I guess you kind of hate to see your team slide down the recruiting rankings a little bit, but when you have a five star who recommits into the 2020 class. You can't really be that upset about it. Yep. Um, you know, I, I would like to see some more other programs get in that aren't SEC related. You know, you've got, you've got Bama, Tennessee, LSU in there. You know, so I'd like to see, you know, Florida's nipping at the heels at 11. Texas is right there, Notre Dame. Um, I'd like to see, you know, Oklahoma and, and Notre Dame and, and Wisconsin kind of start making a little bit of a run. That would be good. But overall, solid recruiting, solid recruiting top ten, and and you know we're we're still waiting on some big names. We're still waiting on Corey Foreman. A couple of the top, you know, a lot of the top ten are still undecided. So I, I can't wait to see where they end up going. But you know, as always, that's recruiting roundup. We cover all your recruiting news for the week and all your college football news. Um, you can follow and interact with the show on social media: Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Prospects101Pod. We're always posting throughout the week. And you can also listen to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all of our episodes. We have a lot of great interviews upcoming. We have a lot more great content. And make sure to give us a five-star review as well. We really appreciate that, and it helps us spread the word of the program. For Brandon Glessner, I'm Kenny Keller. Have a great weekend. Whenever you're ready, you can stop the recording.